Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. But it's, it's so good to be with you this morning. It's so good to see you face to face. Those that are online, hey mom, uh, it's, really, it's really good to... <laughs> My mom's watching, I can't see. Uh, it's, it's really good to, to be together as a church family. As you know, we've been going through a series on, on fear and what does that mean for us as, as believers in a very practical day-by-day, moment-by-moment. Uh, moment. This mic is going to get to me. I can see it now. Hold on. There we go. Okay. Um, how, do we, how do we live moment-by-moment, day-by-day, and how do we go through our lives with the confidence to face whatever comes our way? Um, you know how, how people say you get optimists and you get pessimists? Some people would say I'm a pessimist. I like to say I'm a realist. You know the difference, right? You know, it's not pessimistic. It, it is what it is. And it doesn't help that my, my job in church is also to see the worst case scenario and plan for it, okay? So, for example, <clears throat> we had, uh, back in the days when we had YWAP camp, we had a camp, and, and uh, we'd stay out at Hodegos. That was the camp where we moved uh, to Hodegos for three days. And um, we would always have these very adventurous games. Brian would build some huge contraption that the kids would either have to balance on or climb over. Pete and Wanda would come and have this amazing obstacle. I mean, it was an event. My job was to make sure that nobody got hurt. And so my solution was just not to look. That Especially with a climbing wall. I'm like, I'm not here. I'm going away. But my job was also, you know, with the form, with the indemnity forms, I had to make sure. And there was one child that came in at the last moment. And I said, okay, just make sure that your dad signs the form when he drops you off. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And before I noticed, she's there and the form's not. So, you know, my realistic, you know, realist self goes, oh, this is not good. So the whole, all the games happen. I'm like, okay, everybody's fine. Everything is good. And then the last, last section of the game was dodgeball. I'm like, okay, this, what can go wrong? So I walk around and I'm watching. The last ball of the day hits the one child who does not have an indemnity form. The one child in the face. And she goes down. I'm like, you see? I knew it. Who of you have ever done that? Normally, you, there we go. You go, you see, and, and normally what happens is, like, if you're married or friends, one goes, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. You're like, hmm, something goes wrong. You go, you see, I knew it. You should have listened to me. Have you, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so, so Job says exactly the same thing. In Job chapter 3, verse 25, he says this, after we know the story of everything that happened to him, and he says, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Who of you have been in that situation? When the one thing, okay, so you understand what I'm talking about. And it's that fear that you look ahead and you say, this could happen. You know how people always say, one of the ways you must deal with it is you need to ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, that, that's one of the strategies. I'm like, that's the worst thing you could do. I can tell you 10 things that could happen, and by the end of it, there'll be a world pandemic. Oh, wait. Okay, but, you know, I can, I can see the worst case scenario. So that is not a solution for me because all that I've come up with is more ways that something can go wrong. Okay. So, so when, I, when I look at this world, I have to be very careful that I don't do that because what does fear do? Fear immobilizes us. Fear takes away opportunities, takes away courage to make those decisions. It casts a, a shadow on, on relationships. Um, I, I have this running joke. You know that saying, 
It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. You know that saying? I think you can sense what I feel about it, right? So then when, when somebody goes through it, I go, is it? Is it better? Is it? Is it really? Is it really better now that you've lost? Is it? God's working on my soul. But, <laughs> but, but God actually wants us to, to take those chances and not to allow fear to, to take over. So fear is actually also a good thing. Sometimes fear is that thing that makes us go to the doctor because there's something that's not right. We don't want to to worry about it, but then at some point, fear is actually what gets us there. They say that um, insurance, uh, especially for, for, um, you hear about it more in the States, but for young drivers, especially young boy drivers, and insurance for red cars is much higher than insurance for people, let's say, my age. Okay, And why is that? They take a lot of risks. And, and you go into the science about this part of the brain and what, what, what. Bottom line is they take a lot of risks. I look back at my own life. Um, I was very fortunate after school. I went on to like a youth program and uh, got to explore Southern Africa. It was awesome as a ministry team. But I look back now as an adult and I go, what was I thinking? And why am I still here? Okay. I remember the one night <clears throat> we were doing like a ministry weekend in Soweto. And we decided on Friday night, you know, as you do, at about 11 o'clock, we needed sweets. This was an urgent need in our lives. We needed sweets. But we didn't have a vehicle. So what do you do? You go for a walk, 11 o'clock at night. So we're walking to the service station. So it's two of my, two of my friends uh, and myself. Um, how do I put this? I was the only white person. Okay. So, but, you know, you're young and you're like, this is just awesome. So we go, okay, so how do we get to the service? Oh, the service station's on the other side of this empty field. We just walk across. And I'm like, okay, watch me. I'm going to put on my serious walk. And I'm walking. And we get our sweets and we come back and I go, now I look back and I go, what was I thinking? You know, why did I think it was a good idea to walk around in the middle of Soweto at the middle of the night? I wouldn't even do that in Vintuk. You know what I'm saying? And I look back and I go, oh, God, you are so good. We were on a, on a ministry team and... Uh, in the floods of uh, Mozambique in, in um, I want to say 2020, but no, that was 2001. I'm getting old. And we were helping out with the floods, and we were stationed in this little village, and we needed to go to another, uh, another village to go help out. And we didn't realize that they were doing a blockade in between. And so we were in the middle. middle. So off we go. We don't even take our passports with, and off we go. We hit the blockade. And none of us speaks Portuguese or the language or anything like that. And these guys come out with guns. They're like, what are you doing here? We're like, hi. <laughs> you know. And they're talking, and, and you just see these guns are, you know, everywhere. So eventually, uh, we thankfully had a, a sat phone. We phoned somebody in Pretoria who could speak Portuguese, who knew Mozambique, who then proceeded to tell them that we were just stupid youth and they must please not arrest us. Okay. And then we very quickly went back again. But those are the things that you do when you're young, when you don't have a proper sense of fear, right? Have, have any of you done that when you look back? Come now. Thank you. Thank you for the honesty, all right? So we look back and we go, I should have had more fear in that situation. That would have been the wise thing. There's also the fear of the Lord. And, um, and I love that because, uh, you know, we think fear is, is, a, is a bad thing. But, but fear in that respect is an is a understanding of who God is. And it's, it's um, um, how did somebody once say when I was younger, it's time to 
It's time to climb off the lap of Jesus. No, it's time to climb off the lap of uh, God, your daddy, and see God as the king of kings. I kind of listened to that. And I was like, okay. But it's that same fear of understanding that the God that calls us uh, his children and that we call father is also the creator of this universe. The, the, the I am, the alpha, the omega, and understanding who he is, that is a good fear. Annie Stanley makes this awesome point about fear. He says that fear comes from the ability that God has given us as humans and uniquely to us as humans to look back at the past, but also to anticipate the future, to see what has happened and to also then look ahead and see what are the possibilities. And it's that ability that gives us great joy. For example, I want to see my sister and them. I might be seeing them soon. And that has given me great joy because I know what that means. I know what it means when I'm with my sister and my niece. And it's that ability to look ahead that gives me great joy. It's also that ability to look ahead to know everything that needs to happen before that that sometimes fills me with dread, sometimes fills you with fear. And so we need to understand that that ability to look ahead isn't the issue. That is actually a gift. Fear is not the problem. Fear of tomorrow is not the problem. So what is the problem? The problem is when fear loses its proper place in our lives. Think about anything in life. Food. God created food. It's an amazing thing. I love our kids. Okay. It's an amazing thing. Taken outside of its proper place, either by not having enough and you're anorexic, that's not good for you. Having too much, gluttony, that's not good for you. Sleep is a wonderful thing. Too much, and you're becoming a sluggard, you're not doing anything. Too little, like we tell the kids, your emotions go haywire. Please, just sleep, okay? And so we find this balance in everything. Relationships, uh, in sex, in, in the ability to live this life. It's about finding that ability, that, that, that area that God has intended it to be. And it's the same thing with fear of tomorrow. It's to stay in that area that God has meant it to be. If we look at scripture, there are many occasions where there is fear for tomorrow. Do you remember Mary? Mary, when, she, when, when the angel appears to her and says that, that you are pregnant, and we all think, oh, isn't that amazing? Think about what would happen if your daughter comes home at the moment and says, I'm pregnant, but by God. Mm-hmm. I see some parents going, not a chance, you know? And so we, we look at it from this perspective, knowing the rest of the story and going, this is just such a miracle. But can you imagine her trying to have to explain? And remember, the, 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 the rules of those days were, weren't just, um, you know, now it's culturally acceptable, if you understand what I'm saying, um, not necessarily <laughs> scripturally, but it's, it's more of a, a normal thing. In those days, you know, there was stoning and all that kind of hap- things happening. And so the angel says, and do not be afraid to marry. Why? Because there was a legitimate reason to be afraid, to be fearful. You have a look at Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1-9, where, where God says to Joshua, do not be afraid. And he repeats it. Why do you think that is? Because he was about to go into war. And not the war that we have nowadays that's already horrific. This is hand-to-hand combat with a sword and things like that. And God says to Joshua, do not be afraid. Why? There was a legitimate reason to be afraid. We see Hagar, who's in the desert with her son, Ishmael. He's busy dying. Under, we understand thirsting for water in the desert. We understand that feeling. And God says to her, do not be afraid. Why? There was a legitimate reason to be afraid. You have a look at Paul in Acts 27. He's on a, on a ship, and, and God says, do not be afraid. You won't die. 
great, okay? But those of you who've ever been on a boat in stormy waters, you know what that's like. That's, that's pretty hectic. And we actually read that they, they actually then have a shipwreck. That's a reason to be afraid. I mean, I've you know, swum at, at Langstrand before, and then the waves are you know, coming over my head, and you come up gasping for air with all the hair over your face. You know what I'm saying? This is a shipwreck. Real reason to be afraid. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. He says, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Why do you think that is? Because he knows what's coming. There's a legitimate reason to have fear for what's coming. And we see over and over that in Scripture, there isn't a promise that everything will be fine. There are people in Scripture and in our lives where there's an actual reason to have fear for tomorrow. Matthew chapter 6 that says, do not worry about tomorrow. And we go, "Ah, that's so awesome. Then you read the rest of it, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. <laughs> You're like, oh, gosh. Okay. And so we read Scripture, and there's no promise about that. I look around this world right now, and there's a reason to be afraid. You know, about three years ago, we were only having movies about worldwide pandemics. Remember those days that we'd sit at the airports and people would come out with masks and we'd silently judge them in our hearts? Okay. Now we do the reverse. And so there, is, there, is, there are many reasons to be afraid. You read the news and there's just chaos. Chaos everywhere you look. So how do I put that fear in its proper place? So this morning we're going to look at old Peter. Peter of the Bible. Peter of the New Testament. So what do we know about Peter? He was a fisherman. <clears throat> I grew up with fishermen. Okay? My stepdad was a fisherman, is a fisherman. Um, <clears throat> there's a certain culture in fishing. They're not very, um, there's not much finesse, should I put it that way. Those of you, anybody come from a fishing background? Okay, well, I'll tell you. Okay? There's a lot of Coke and brandy everywhere you look. Okay, And so there's not much finesse. And so we, we know that also the fishermen of those times, they would have been very hands-on people, men of the earth. And we see that, that he, when we look at Peter, he's the guy that was, he would feel first, react, and then afterwards go, oh, that wasn't good. Okay, We see that time and time again. And we see he pops up throughout the New Testament with moments of great faith and then moments of great mess-ups. So I can identify with him because I identify with those mess-ups very much so. We see that he is the one that when um, Jesus says to him, after a whole night of fishing, go out one more time. He goes out one more time. We see in Luke 9.20, he's one of the first ones that recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. He's also the one, um, have, has anybody ever told you to just be quiet and listen? Anybody? It doesn't sit well, right? So imagine when God tells you that. Okay, Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, he's there. And, and, and Peter comes along and says, let's build some, you know, dwelling places for you. And God says, God the Father says, this is my son, listen to him. Okay, that's like a shush from heaven. That's pretty bad. That's Peter. He's also the one that when Jesus said that he needs to go out and, and die, he's like, no, no, this will not happen. And what does, what does Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Okay, my mom sometimes, as a joke, please note joke, not real, calls me a terrorist, okay, as a joke, okay. That's very different from Jesus telling you to get behind me, Satan. And so we see, I can identify with Peter. We see Peter walking out to Jesus on the water. And then he starts thinking, what does Jesus say to him? Oh, ye of little faith. Okay, this is not looking good for Peter. 
right? We see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's the one that, you know, after Jesus has spoken about loving people and sacrifice, he's the one that comes out and cuts off the ear of the soldier that Jesus has to then put back on. He's also the one that when, when he said that he would never deny Jesus, Jesus said, you would deny me three times. And he's the one that's sitting in the courtyard where Jesus is being interrogated and beaten and everything else. When he's asked for the third time, aren't you with this guy? He's the one that actually swears and says, no, I'm not. And at that moment, Jesus looks at him. Can you imagine that feeling? This is the Peter that we're looking at. And so you see that Peter, the one that denies Jesus and then flees from realizing what he's done. And then later on, you read in church history that Peter is the one that was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to die the same way his Savior did. What happened? What happened between that Peter and this Peter? What happened between the Peter that stood up and, 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 and shared who Jesus was and, and so many came to him? What happened in that, in that span of time? How did he go from being that man to this mighty, the, the rock, you know, on this foundation, I'll build my church? And I think that's the key for us, is to understand what happened to Peter. To be able to face this world that there are many legitimate reasons to be afraid of tomorrow, but to face this world with confidence. So, firstly, I don't think the disciples fully understood who Jesus was at that moment. Because we see that he dies, and, and he had been speaking about that. And what do the disciples do? They go hide. Okay, Psst. All right. They go hide until Jesus returns to them and shows, shows them that he is alive. There's a verse that, that Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28, and he says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. This is normally where we make some joke about Brian, but we're not going to do that today. Okay? So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Do you, do you notice, though, that it says with the sparrow that the sparrow actually falls to the ground? It's not that he just keeps flying. He actually falls to the ground. And so when we look around and we understand that what Jesus is saying here is there are things that will kill our body. But that's not what counts. We are supposed to be looking at God who, who, know, who is the, the source of life for our body and our soul. And so when you look around, it's, it's, it's the understanding that this world is temporary. And I thank God for that. I thank God that this world is not it. The, the kids always say, um, last year at the beginning of the year, they, they, they had this little saying, tough times never last. So now, of course, my favorite thing is I go to them and I go, so, how's it going? Tough times? Mm -hmm. Tough times? Lasting? Lasting? Okay. <laughs> I do love them, I promise. Okay. <laughs> so this world is not it, and I'm thankful. And I have to be careful that I don't look around and allow this world to bring me down, but to have joy knowing that this world is not it. Many years ago, we, I was, again, this youth thing, and they have this day, I, don't, I can't even remember what this day is called, but they basically drill you to, they, you have to run the whole time. 
You see, but I knew that they were only going to do it for three hours, and then we were going to go to the mall for the first time to go watch movies. So I was running along going, this is so much fun. Everybody else thinks this is going to be the next 12 hours of their day. You know, but I had inside knowledge. And so I was just so enthusiastic and supportive, so, so much, because I knew what was coming. I knew that this wasn't it. And so if we can go through our day and our world knowing that this isn't it, that eternity is still to come, then we can face our situations with a different perspective, like Peter. So at the moment, I don't know about you, I'm really struggling with things that are going on. Um, I heard about uh, a family where the father died and then four days later the grandfather died. And I almost want to go, but that's against the rules. That, that shouldn't be allowed. Who allowed that? That's a foul. That shouldn't be allowed. I heard of a family where, where both parents died and left two young children. And you kind of go, this, th- this is not according to the playbook. This is not how it should be happening. And so I look around and I see a lot of, a lot of hurting. My mom gets sick. We're thankful, very uh, thankful that she has medical aid. She gets excellent care. I've got an amazing church family that loves me and supports me. And my mom gets healthy. There's another lady that we know that has a child. She lives in a shack without a door. She gets a, a uterine infection from giving a birth. She goes to clinics and things like that. They are unable to help her. She thinks she's dying. She contacts Dana and, and starts making plans of who's going to look after her child when she dies. And I look at this and I go, this, what do the children say? This isn't fair. Thankfully, this lady was able to get some antibiotics and now is healthy and isn't making plans on who's going to look after her child. And so I look around this world and I see there's a lot of injustice and there's a lot of pain. But I need to look at the world, not the way that Peter looked at things while he was sitting in the courtyard. Because if I do, I'll be fearful and I will be angry. I need to be like Peter in the storm, not before the sinking part. Because note, the storm doesn't go away. The storm stays there. What changes? The only thing that changes is Peter's focus. Instead of focusing on Jesus, who's the source of our strength and our comfort and our joy, he looks around. And that's what we need to be. We need to be like Peter, who is able to look at Jesus, who is able to see what he promises us. And even though the storm is continuing around him, is able to stay focused and have joy. There will be storms. It's not a maybe. It's not an if. There will be storms. Psalm 23, and I shall read it in the New King James. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. No, that's British. Kidding. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Please note, there is a valley. There is the valley of the shadow of death. It's not that God takes us out of that valley. He walks with us through that valley. So how do we get to that point? Some practical points. Number one, we need to spend time in his word. You need to read it. You need to memorize it. You even can listen to it. Guys, there's never been a time in history that we've had so much access to the word of God. You can watch videos. You can watch YouTube. I can listen to it on my phone while I'm walking, while I'm driving. There is no reason or excuse for any of us to say we cannot hear the word of God. We need to be immersing ourselves in what God says. Because that's where the truth comes from. How do I get through today? We need to surround ourselves with people who understand that this world is not it. That God has called us to a mission in this world. 
but that this is not it. And that's what we're doing today, is we are surrounding ourselves by believers. Please note, we're not called to stay in this hall all day, all week. We go here, and then we go out, and we tell people about who Jesus is. So we are called to surround ourselves with people like that. I love, um, you know that song, Cast Your Burdens Unto Jesus? We always used to sing it in the rural areas, and it was, was always, cast your burdens unto Jesus. And you had to do like the face while clapping, okay? But you know that song? You know that song, right? But it comes from where, where Peter is saying, cast your burdens unto Jesus. And I love it, because if you know a fisherman, you know what it means when he says, cast your burdens. It's a big net. If you come from the north, if you've seen it in the north, it's a big net. And you throw it with all your might, okay? And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, cast your burdens. Don't go... No, he's saying, cast your burdens unto Jesus. And that's the one thing is to understand that Jesus says we must talk to him about what we're going through. And that he cares about what we're going through. We also, they, they did a study about the stress levels. And they found that um, people who think uh, they are going to be late for something. So let's say you're going to an event. And once you know that you're going to be late, your stress levels go far, way, way down. But if you think you can still make it, your stress levels stay really high, okay? So the bottom moral of the story is just know that you're going to be late and you will be less stressed, okay? But, <laughs> but once you know that this is what's going to happen, your stress levels go down. So know in this world that there will be pain and suffering. I always say, if we think that we're going to get through this world without suffering, Jesus died on a cross for us. That was God's plan. How do we think we're going to get through this world without suffering? And let that be something that, that assures us that God made a plan for this. That, that he knows that we're going to go through suffering. And he says that he is Isaiah 41 verse 10, which is an incredible passage. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. And I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. What a promise. What an absolute promise. Some of the greatest and most wise and joyful people are people uh, that I know are people that have gone through a lot of suffering. Uh, we always tease, some of you might know Suzette, we call her the saint. She's got the naughtiest twinkle in her eye that I've ever seen anybody have. Have you ever seen Suzette's naughty twinkle? Okay. But we know that she has gone through a lot of physical pain. But she is one of the most joyful people I know. There's a quote um, that says from Robert Browning Hamilton, he says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and not a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from sorrow when sorrow walked with me. What an incredible quote. And so surround yourself with people that understand who Jesus is in the, in the difficult times. I want to leave us with a, with a quote from, I was going to say C.S. Lewis, but you know, got to lively things that keep you on your toes. And this one is from Eleanor Roosevelt, which says, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look in the, fear, in the face of fear. You are able to say to yourself, I've lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. Church family, I praise God for how God has brought us through, and there's been a lot of loss, and there's been a lot of suffering. And I know some of the stories, not all the stories. But I just praise God that we have a God that cares about every detail of our lives and says, no matter what comes tomorrow, that he will be there with us. 
He will, he will comfort us, he will continue holding us, and he will get us through it. Sometimes, as Dana said, God doesn't always say yes. Sometimes he, he takes us on a different path. But very often, we go through the suffering and through the pain. But we come through on the other side, understanding God in a way that we never would if we hadn't. The, the, lo- the couple of weeks with my mom, I had a new understanding of what it means to be part of a church family. And I've been part of a church family for a long time. But just understanding what it means for people to love you and to, to care about you. And what it made, what made me do is that I then had to, to understand how important it is for me to love others around me because I knew the value of what it meant. So, church, as we, as we go out, know that you are not alone. We have the prayer phone. That's why we pray for each other. Know that God says he will get us through this, that he holds us up with his victorious right hand, and that this world, thankfully, is not it. We wait eagerly for the day that we are with him face to face. But till that day, we do what he has called us to do as a church family. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for for who you are, Um, for the many ways that I cannot even comprehend uh, the the mightiness and the the power and the, the... the grace that you have. And yet, as Dana says, you bend down to listen to us. Lord, I, I know some of the stories and I know of the, the heartache and the pain and the, the loss and the sorrow. Lord, and I thank you that you, you understand that so deeply. You understand everything that we go through and you say that you want to be the source of our joy. Lord, I, I look around in this world and there are not many sources of joy that, that can last, but only you can. So, Lord, I thank you for for this church family. I thank you for those that are here in the hall, those that are online. Father, I thank you for the the many uh, miracles that you've done and and the support and the care that uh, this church family has provided for so many. Lord, I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your grace, and I thank you that with you we can get through anything. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.